What's up, Buttercup? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chev All Yay Mortgage. That's right. I am so, so stoked to announce our new presenting sponsor, Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are proud CSU alums, diehard Broncos fans, and they've been supporting DNVR for a long time as members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience, and they want to help you out. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or visit www.dnvrmortgage.com. That's 970-412-2472 or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Third and 10. Prescott going deep and it's going to be caught. Michael Gallup beats Ramsey, but he flag is down at the 30-yard line. Ramsey contending that he was interfered with. There's another flag at the 37-yard line. And they're already coming back, so you know it's going to be offense. Pass interference, offense, number 13, 10-yard penalty, repeat, third down. So Gallup could not get away with it. Would have set him up at about the 15-yard line. It's always so hard to call that one. Extend and separation, Chris. And, and I think he's got his arm out there, but I just don't see him forcibly I agree. push him off. I agree. I thought the same thing. Football is back. NFL football is back. College football is back back we are talking all kinds of football on today's podcast got to start with the nfl though i i'm, I'm gonna go over some of the the games that were exciting from college too but i i just don't know how you lead don't lead with that just completely completely erroneous offensive pass interference call i don't even know if i use that word correctly to be honest i just like saying it because of wedding crashers but man i just Nine times out of ten, I don't understand how that would draw a flag. You know, I I know when you look at the play, you can see there's definitely an arm extension and big ups to Jalen Ramsey for for really selling it. But I guess that's why they pay him the big bucks to to flop around like a fish. I don't know. Maybe Mike's a Mike's a jacked dude. Don't get me wrong. But if, if he threw Ramsey back that much with that little extension. Mike must have, you know, the strongest triceps in the league. I, I just, I, I, in the moment, especially, and, and I know that whenever people say stuff like that, it always gets taken out of context. Like I'm trying to say, you shouldn't, you know, call a a penalty in, in a big moment because it's simply a big moment. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't think it was a penalty at any point of the game, but especially in that context is all I'm trying to say. I just you got to feel for the Cowboys. I I bet on the Rams and I bet on the under. 
So I, I wanted no part of overtime. I didn't want the Cowboys to score. I didn't even want them to tie it. So for me to be sitting there just fuming over the fact that they called this offensive pass interference really shows, you know, how bad of a call it was. And obviously everybody on Twitter, it it brings you back to the 2017 Rocky Mountain Showdown, which we will never forget decades from now, generations from now. They'll still be talking about how horrible those officials were in that 2017 Rocky Mountain Showdown. They'll still be talking about how ridiculous those offensive pass interference calls were. And and Mike, he just Michael Gallup just can't seem to catch a break when it comes to the offensive pass interference calls. I will say, obviously, because I joked about it, I had I had some Buffs fans in the mentions, you know, you always are gonna get the oh, get over it. It was a couple of years ago. And yes, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think most you know, most fans have actually gotten over that game at this point. It's just, it's almost, almost funny, not quite almost funny to joke about at this point. But I do find it ironic that, that Buffs fans are telling CSU people or or me to, you know, move on from that game. One, because just the sheer absurdity of it. I think even most Buffs fans understood that CSU got absolutely jobbed in that game. I'm not saying necessarily like definitively the Rams would have won that game, but to argue that it didn't completely change the course to really, really legitimately, you know, impact the outcome, I think would be ignorant, but that's just, that's just my take. Um, anyways, I just, I think it's funny that Buffs fans are telling CSU fans to, to get over it, to move on with their lives, considering, you know, how frequently we all have to hear about the 1990 national championship. That, that, you know, just, just throwing it out there. Anyways, you know, getting, getting back on track here. I just don't understand how you call that offensive pass interference. Um, you know, big ups to Ramsey, like I said, for, for selling it. That's a defensive back, you know, who got beat and he did his job and, and drew the flag. So, so kudos to him. I think that Rams team is really solid. I, I feel like they deserve to win. I just, I, I really disagreed with that call. Uh, overall, a really nice game for Michael Gallup. Three catches in total on five targets. Averaged 16.7 yards per reception. Uh, 50 total receiving yards. As far as I can remember, there weren't any drops. That was definitely one of the things I was looking for in that game. Uh, one of the things that Ed Werder talked about when we had him on the podcast a while back was, you know, there are really high expectations for Michael Gallup this season. The coaching staff, they they really, you know, they respect the way that he works. They view him as a legitimate, you know, guy that, that can stretch the field and and should, you know, have a a big impact in the offense. But last year he just he dropped way too many footballs. It was a problem. Didn't really have any of that in week one, which is obviously really encouraging. Made a great catch on that final play, even if it didn't count in the end. Ultimately, I would say that my my two biggest takeaways from that game were one, this this <laughs> Two biggest takeaways aside from the fact that Michael Gallup got absolutely screwed on that, on the pass interference. One, Gallup is still going to be heavily, heavily targeted in that offense. I know it's it's been a point of discussion that we've had on this podcast, you know, multiple times. So I'm not going to, you know, dive deep into it again. But I think just when you watch them operate, it's clear that they really are going to lean on that three tight end set. They're not necessarily going to go, you know, two tight ends like they did a lot of times with Jason Garrett. And it's it's just the way they use these different receivers is 
is kind of interesting. It makes the offense a lot of fun. Amari Cooper's kind of their between the sticks guy. They're their bread and butter guy, the guy that they're going to target a lot, obviously. CeeDee Lamb, you know, that kind of use him as that slot guy. Can put him out wide because he's fast enough to go deep downfield. You know, he can be a vertical threat. But Gallup seems to be kind of their, you know, move the ball, their take a shot guy downfield. I think they like the way he can attack the ball when it's in the air. He was obviously great at that. When he was at CSU, I always think back to that incredible catch he had against uh, the University of Nevada in 2017. Went off in that game in general, but he had a, an incredible catch where he just high-pointed it over a DB. Uh, I'll, I'll share that that highlight on Twitter at some point. But man, you know, I, I'm pretty encouraged. That's That's, you know, basically what I would come away as a guy that's rooting for Gallup to succeed. I think it's clear they're going to feature him a lot in the offense, and you know we'll just have to move on about that that offensive PI. Cool, cool. Let's let's just keep it with the wide receivers. I think that's probably the most logical way to do it. Uh, not a not a great win loss day for any of the next level Rams. Ty Sambrilo and and Trent Siege, long snapper for the Raiders, the only two next level Rams that got a victory this weekend. So kind of tough, but. BC Johnson uh, starting for the Vikings. Not a not a super flashy day, but just typical BC Johnson stuff. Three catches on four targets. Second on the team behind Thielen with 56 receiving yards. Thielen went off. I have him on my fantasy team, so I was kind of stoked about that. Uh, but you know, had a BC had a really really big time catch in the red zone to set up first and goal in the fourth quarter. You know, had a had a nice day blocking for Dalvin Cook on the outside. Really just solid, you know. He's he we've always, you know, known with BC he's not necessarily the, the flashiest dude, the most athletic dude, the the most explosive player on the field, you know, at any given time, but he definitely has enough explosiveness, has enough athleticism, and more than anything, just has, you know, the work ethic, enough heart to to really just make an impact. And it, it's gonna be fun to see how he's able to, you know, get featured in that Kubian. Kubiak offense because I really think you know the, the way they got a Dalvin Cook going I think it's really going to set up you know play action and obviously Kirk Cousins does really well in that situation but a, a pretty solid weekend for the standard going to uh going to move on to oh actually before we move on to Preston Williams I also wanted to shout out BC Johnson you know I know not everyone's going to necessarily agree with this but BC Johnson did kneel during the national anthem in Minnesota I just want to commend him, you know, for using his platform, not being scared of, you know, critics, naysayers, anything like that. So, you know, shout out to BC. We're all rooting for you. You know, keep, you know, fighting against injustice. Keep using your platform. And, you know, we'll keep cheering you on. Moving on, moving on to Preston Williams, who he he only had two catches, but second on the team with 41 receiving yards, had a 21-yard catch, really nice play. Really important that he just, he looked healthy, you know, he was making cuts, was running well, moving well for a guy coming off of an ACL. That's what you always worry about, especially, you know, at a, at a burst position, like wide receiver, you know, Preston's an explosive guy. He's a a vertical threat. You know, you can throw it up, let him go up and get it. You always worry about him making cuts, jumping, planting, all that stuff. Looked really good though. I've said on multiple occasions, I think Preston is basically going to be Miami's number one. I have him on my fantasy team. Didn't play him this week, but I just I think with the the way that he can get open, the way he can, you know, use his frame but still, you know, move, it's just 
there aren't a lot of receivers like that. And I don't know, especially in Miami, they don't have a ton of other options. Devontae Parker is a really good receiver. They've got just kind of a lot of young people and to have somebody as reliable as Preston, which it's kind of funny, being a former undrafted free agent, a guy that people were kind of questioning, you know, is he going to have the the work ethic? Is he going to be able to make it? He's been awesome so far, you know, absolutely killed it. And I'm just happy to see him, you know, healthy starting, you know, it just really looks like Preston is in for a really nice professional career. And it's good to see. It's encouraging. The The final wide receiver, obviously, Richard Hollywood Higgins, really trying to re, you know, cement himself in that Cleveland offense this year. Only had one catch, only had one target, so I guess he made the most of that one target for nine receiving yards. I'm going to be honest, I didn't get to watch any of that Cleveland-Baltimore game, so I'm not going to you know, try and fake through any analysis. I at least got to watch a quarter, two quarters of all the other games. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've, I don't have huge expectations for Rashard Higgins necessarily statistically. I do think he'll probably have some moments just because of the chemistry that he has with Baker. I just am not, I'm not bought into the Browns in general. I want, I'm not rooting against them. I want Hollywood to succeed. I think they have a lot of really fun players. I'm not a big OBJ guy or a Landry guy, to be honest, and especially now that, you know, they're getting the uh, the targets over Hollywood, but I don't know. I just, something about that team, that makeup, I just, I'm not, I'm not a believer quite yet. Maybe, maybe it's me just being sour on Mayfield and, and taking that out on the whole team. I don't know, but hopefully, you know, Richard will get more involved in the offense moving forward. Would like to see him just have, you know, a modest year, you know, even if he could have 35 40 catches a couple of touchdowns but ultimately is able to you know make some headlines maybe come up with some big first down catches more than anything it'll be the impact that he's able to make you know not necessarily racking up a ton of catches but when he is on the field can he be impactful and and that's going to be the big question mark the the last next level ram obviously that we have to go over is Shaq Barrett the Bucks lost 34 to 23 to the Saints uh, Brady, man, looked really old. Did not look like the the Tom Brady of all those Super Bowl victories. Three solo tackles, one pass deflection. Relatively quiet game. Uh, there were some Bucks fans kind of tweeting, you know, where is Shaq Barrett? Was getting doubled at times. Did have a really, really big pass deflection in the second half to set up third and long. Kind of kept Tampa in the game at the moment because if uh, Alvin Kamara would have caught it, he would have been gone. So just a really timely play. Ultimately, I'm not that worried. I I'm, I really hope Shaq is able to put together a, a double-digit sack season just so he's able to get the type of contract that he's worked so hard for that he ultimately deserves. I do think that Tampa Bay is really bought into him, and I think that they appreciate that he did play on the tender. So I think ultimately that's probably where I see him getting locked down long-term. And you know, with Arians and stuff, I think that's a good spot to be. Bruce Arians... Great coach, great offensive mind. It'll be it'll be real interesting to see how it all plays out, but ultimately, not worried about the main man, Mucci, and I'm sure he's going to, you know, put together a nice 2020 campaign. In just a moment, we're going to talk some college football from over the weekend. Also going to uh, talk about the U.S. World, or News and World Report, releasing their annual academic rankings. Going to talk about the different Mountain West schools, where everybody ranked, what I think that means in terms of 
you know, which schools have a chance of ever making it potentially out of the Mountain West and into the Power Five and just kind of all that fun stuff. Uh, before we get into all that, got to shout out the sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. It sure was nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook app, head to the App Store now because you're not going to want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team. That's right. All you got to do, take a $1 bet, place it on any team, and if they win, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, go check it out. There's so many fun things with prop bets and, and live betting and daily, and it's just amazing. Plus, DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's a $1 bet to win $100 when you use the promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Cool, cool, cool. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit of college football, and then let's talk a little bit of potential expansion, Mountain West and the academic rankings and all that fun stuff. I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm not, I'm still not 100% used to not having a team to directly cover, you know, I, I mean, I'm covering CSU, but there's not a whole lot happening, obviously. Um, trying to make the most of it. I, I decided I'm going to do a, a weekly column where I kind of talk about just, you know, where the money was made from a gambling perspective, biggest takeaways from the weekend, you know, who, who stood out. If you're a DNVR subscriber, go check it out. Wrote about 1,200 to 1,500 words. Just on, you know, everything that, that happened this past weekend, what my takeaways were, all that stuff. Uh, briefly, just before we break into some of the Mountain West stuff, uh, another year where Florida State's overrated. Shocking, I know. They're, they're kind of in that... Texas territory over the last decade where every year they come in every year they're ranked in the you know top 20 top 25 and they've lost four home openers in a row now they've just been really they just haven't been the same since Jimbo left since Jameis left really but Florida State not impressive at all week one lost at home to Georgia Tech the the big 12 got dominated by the Sun Belt if we were doing relegation, the Big 12 would no longer be Power 5. God, just crazy, crazy fun games. Uh, as I pointed out on Twitter, I do think people slept on Louisiana a little bit. They won 11 games last year. I do think it's it's safe to say they're a pretty good team. You know, finished runner-up to uh, App State, another good program. I don't know. I, I definitely think Billy Napier is going to be in the conversation for a P5 head coaching gig pretty soon former CSU offensive coordinator under McElwain. Doing well, good for him. Uh, Spencer Rattler and, and Oklahoma, they just they just pounded Missouri State. It was like 31-0 after the first. 
I know they're a D2 team, you know, Missouri State. You got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But I, I or FCS, D2, whatever. I will say, um, I will say, though, that that Oklahoma looks legit. Just some of those throws that Rattler were making were in crazy, you know, regardless of the level of competition that they were playing. His his arm strength is just ridiculous. Lincoln Riley, you know, don't ever sleep on him. Honestly, though, the, the the most fun that I had all weekend, probably watching the smaller games, Texas State, UTSA went to double overtime. That was a lot of fun. Uh, D2 Campbell almost got their first win over an FBS program ever against Georgia Southern. That game was crazy. Georgia Southern had like 30 plus people out, presumably from COVID, but they didn't say. Really kind of a frustrating game. Uh, Campbell was massive underdogs, the biggest underdogs of anybody coming in. And they were leading at halftime. They had a chance to tie. They missed an extra point at one point in the game, which was brutal because they, they would have been up. But at the end of the game, they, they scored what should have been the game tying touchdown. They opted to go for two rather than going for the tie. It just didn't make sense to me on a lot of reasons. Uh, one, they got to delay a game. So they were going for two from the 10-yard line. I just... In the NFL, maybe, but college, both teams get the ball. You know, I, I will say the fact that they were they were massive underdogs, so maybe the coach was just thinking, you know, the fact that we've even been in it is crazy. If we, you know, keep playing overtime, keep playing more quarters, eventually it's going to even out, and, you know, naturally the better team, the bigger team is going to win. So I do respect, you know, the ballsiness of it, the aggressiveness of it, but just really frustrating, and I'll be honest, I... I did have a parlay that featured Campbell winning, and it it would have been nice to to hit that big bet. But hey, still a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that game. And then you know, other than that, probably Duke Notre Dame, probably the best game of the weekend uh, out of the major schools, at least. Not a not a super dominant performance from Notre Dame, but they executed when they need to, needed to down the stretch. The defense really stepped up. Duke is always really well coached. And they, they always seem to have a great quarterback. So Duke's a tough matchup. I'm not going to, you know, judge them too much based on that one. But it will be interesting to see, you know, what Notre Dame does this year. Because I, I actually think on paper, being in the ACC might be an easier road to the playoff than, you know, being independent would have been for them. I just mean, you know, like, as, as talented and well-coached as Duke is, which I, I genuinely do believe Duke is one of the uh, more underappreciated football programs over the last five to ten years under Cutcliffe, just the the consistency that they've had, and and the the way that they're always able to to get up for big games. But you know, let's be real, Duke's not Michigan or or Ohio State or you know some of the Big Ten teams that Notre Dame probably would have been playing under a, a normal year. It'll just be interesting, you know. I'd, I I still think Clemson is is the best team in the ACC by far. But is, is 2020 going to be the first year where we have two ACC teams in? We shall see. Word, word, word. Let's let's jump right into this Mountain West stuff. Let's just briefly, I'm, I'm just going to go over where the, the Mountain West schools ranked academically and kind of talk about why I think uh, two teams have a, a better chance of potentially getting out of Mountain West than everybody else. Before we do, though, Got to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery real quick. Guys, right now, the, the farmhouse is open. It's socially distanced. Beautiful setup for outside dining. 
You know, if you're more comfortable at home, you can do curbside pickup from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Just call 303-803-1380. 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Use the code DNVR. You can save five bucks on your order. And as always, you can get Breckenridge Brews at your local liquor store, King Supers, Costco. You can even get it delivered straight to you. Just head on to the Drizzly app. They'll get it delivered straight to your door. And as always, check out the Breck Beer Locator. Takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. Shout out to Breck. We love them. You love them. Breck Brew. Cool beans. Let's let's wrap up this podcast here with just some fun academia talk. Because that's what everybody listens to this podcast for. To get real smart. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, CSU named the second best academic institution in the Mountain West per the U.S. News and World Report, which obviously releases its annual rankings. Um, just going to go briefly down the list. Coming in number one in the conference, San Diego State, they were ranked 143rd in the country nationally, 10 spots ahead of CSU, number 153. Those are the top two academic institutions in the country based on these rankings. Also in the top 200, you have Hawaii at 170, New Mexico at 187, Fresno State at 196. They're actually tied with Wyoming. Uh, 227 for Nevada, 241 for Utah State, and 258 for UNLV. And then there's Boise State, who was not in the, uh, the top 300 rankings, so they're not on the list. Now, there, there's a, a lot of different takeaways from this stuff. I don't think anybody is, has any misconceptions about, you know, Mountain West institutions being, you know, like Harvard or the Ivy League or anything. You know, let's be real. If, if you have basically, you know, any semi-decent grades do okay on your ACT and all that, you know, you're going to get into Colorado State. It doesn't take, you don't have to be a genius to get in. Might not necessarily make it through all the way if you're not, you know, smart enough. but it, it's not that hard to get in. And, and the same could be said about, you know, basically every institution in the Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State, probably the hardest to get into one just because of its location. And then, you know, two, just being a, a pretty good school and having an awesome outdoor campus and gorgeous setup and access to the beach and all that fun stuff. The The reason that I bring all of this up, though, is, is when I see these rankings, when I look at the list, it, it kind of reaffirms what I already believed. And that is that Colorado State and San Diego State, ultimately, if you look at the Mountain West, those are the two programs that probably have the best chance of getting out of the Mountain West and into a bigger league. Not necessarily anytime soon, but you know, if there is any type of expansion in the in the next decade, and, and the Mountain West schools are who the, those leagues are approaching. I just, I, I got to feel like CSU and SDSU would be the best choices for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, you know, location with both of them. You know, we just talked about the beach and obviously all the great things with San Diego. Uh, flipping it to CSU's perspective, you know, you're only 60 miles north of Denver. It's an easy commute up by 25. Uh, the Denver market obviously being up and coming, you know, Denver just being one of the, the growing cities in the country. Kind of far from the airport, that's probably the toughest part, but if you hop on E-470, you know, I'd actually argue it's easier to get from 
DIA to Fort Collins than maybe it is to get to some of the other parts of the state, the Springs, or even, you know, parts of Denver, because you just get to avoid most of the inner city. Uh, ultimately, location just matters so much with these types of decisions. You know, it comes down to TV market and an access. You know, you're thinking about vacations and hotels and all this other stuff, these conferences. If you're going to, you know, invite a school like CSU, obviously you don't want a, a slouch on the field, but ultimately athletic success kind of doesn't really play that much of a factor into it. You know, nobody wants a loser necessarily, but it's going to come down to academics and it comes down to location. And that's what San Diego State and Colorado State have that some of those other institutions in the Mountain West just don't have. You know, when you, when I look at a program like Wyoming, they have success, they have really dedicated fans, but unfortunately, you know, Laramie is just not that lucrative of a market from a financial standpoint. It's also kind of tough to get there. You basically just, you know, you got to fly into Denver if you're not flying into some private little airport, which you probably wouldn't be doing. When you look at some of the other schools, Utah State, they're too small. They don't have the academics. UNLV obviously has a great location. They don't have the academics either. New Mexico, top 200 school nationally, probably good enough, you know, basically right on par with like Kansas State. But they don't have, they don't have the, they don't have the market one and they don't have the established fan base either. Boise State obviously has the the on-field success more than basically anybody in the league can say, but they're not a good academic institution. No offense to anybody that's come out of Boise State, but it's not a great school nationally, at least. Beyond that, Boise, you know, not necessarily the most lucrative market, not a lot of TV money there. Boise is kind of a national brand, so that probably raises them above some of the other programs like Fresno State, which would maybe have a chance they're you know, 196 nationally uh, in terms of the academic rankings float around 200 most years. So they've kind of taken some strides in the last couple of years. They've had some success on the field, had some really good runs in the early 2000s in the WAC. But ultimately, you know, all of these programs, they just have some flaws. And even San Diego State and Colorado State, I'm not saying that they are flawless. They're obviously not. San Diego State's been a, a decent football program, but they obviously rely so much on basketball and, you know, the, the money is just in football. It, it always has been. So, you know, San Diego State needs to improve itself there. CSU needs to improve itself on both ends significantly from, a, from an athletic success standpoint. But I just, I think it, when you look at the, the pros and cons of all these different programs, if I'm a, if I'm a league looking for members, I think I just got to look at these two schools as as you know a chance for expansion and and it kind of sucks to to have to brag about you know like academic rankings and and location at least for conference expansion stuff could it, it would be great to just be able to be like look at all these rings you know but that's just not how it is and at the end of the day it's presidents and you know school presidents that are making these types of decisions anyways so probably kind of irrelevant about the championship but just from a from a fan's perspective from that pride perspective it's it feels kind of corny being like well we don't win football games but we're really smart and and obviously you know universities education academia all that matters more than college sports and in the grand scheme of things to most people uh, but just in terms of being a fan and all that i don't know i don't know if any of that made sense at the end i, I started kind of rambling there but I just kind of thought it was interesting to see these rankings shape out and and kind of just 
you know, react to it all, I guess. I don't know. Not necessarily the, the, the most, you know, thrilling thing in the world. We've all debated conference expansion for years. But hey, it's a, it's a weird fall. We got to do what we got to do to stay afloat right now. There's just not as much to talk about. I, I will be back with multiple interviews this week. Have some really exciting guests. Uh, Nico Carvacho is going to be on the podcast. Going to get Luke McAllister, 2021 QB commit on as well. Uh, so some really fun stuff coming up. Make sure you're keeping up with all of that. Also, make sure you check out the new That's Good Broncos podcast with Brandon Perna. DNVR collabing with That's Good Broncos. So tight. Uh, you know, if you've been a Broncos fan, Perna has been making just so much awesome Bron- Broncos content for years. It's crazy that we're co-workers now, but check all of that out and we will be back with more awesome content throughout the week. Thank you to everybody that continues to support DNVR Rams. You guys rule.